With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Nothing's better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star or a tech nomad working from anywhere. Allbirds wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes, too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are so cozy you might forget you're wearing them. And they're crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. So get comfortable in your shoes. Get to know the wool runners, pipers, and loungers at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Welcome to Wednesday Dawn. My name's Kevin Graham, and today I'm joined by Brian and Natasha. Natasha's never been on the Wednesday Club before, so Natasha, a warm welcome to you. How are you feeling today? Thank you. Good. No, it's nice to be here to stand in for Colin while he's off on another holiday. I feel like that boy's always on holiday trying to pass some of it off as work, but nice to stand in for him today. Definitely, you're definitely no support act, Natasha. You're the main <laughs> event. You're the main event on this Wednesday. Anyway, Brian, how are you today? I'm great, mate. I'm great. I'm just basking in the the glory of the strength and depth on Axel's squad. Now we can we lose a call and we can bring in Natasha. It's uh, it's great work. So no, good to be here. Happy Wednesday. 
Uh, Colin, for anybody that's asking, will be back. I think he'll be back next week. He's actually on holiday, and if anybody's looking for him, you'll probably find him in Bar 67 in Lanzarote. So if any 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 of our Lanzaroteans are actually out that way, just pop your head in and you might might find Colin having a, a small pint of lager uh, there. I'm actually just thinking here, I think Natasha, uh, Natasha being on with myself means I only need a gym or for the full set. For being on with everybody, I think I only need Jamor. It's like a panini sticker set. <laughs> I actually need it. So I'll, I'll need to get Paul to make that happen. Me and Jim, uh, that, that'll be interesting. Anyway, Natasha, I'm really loving this wee break. I think mm. this wee break, I think this wee break's been nice and calm after like, what was, what was kind of the panic going into the Tony Macaroni Stadium on Sunday? And this week, calm this week, the eight days before the Dundee United game, it just feels really good, eh? Yeah, I don't remember the last time we've had a sort of break like this. Um, and it does feel nice just to take a bit of a breather because there was a hard run of games there sort of culminating in this one that everyone was dreading at the Tony Macaroni. And I think there was a sense of if we can just get to that game, if we can just get to that game and keep the points gap as it has been. If we can get to that game and still be three points clear, then we'll be happy. And we knew that massive hurdle was coming up. It was sort of looming on the horizon threateningly. Um, and there was the nerves building up to it. And then a relatively comfortable performance and a, and a nice win. So I think getting over that was like, there was a sense of relief. And then it's followed by the slightly bigger gap. And then it's the cup game. So I just feel like now's the time to just sort of take a breather and assess where we're at. Um, I know Angel had the guys in training. We saw, I think, yesterday that they all had the day off, which we could see from their Instagram pages. Everyone was out enjoying themselves. And I think that's quite nice um, because it's been a hard slog. It's been a tough run of fixtures. Um, and it's nice just for the fans but and, and the players as well just to take that breather, reset, and go again into another huge eight games. Brian, we did say last Wednesday, and I said last Wednesday, if, we, if I woke up on Monday morning still at least three points clear, it had been a very extremely purposeful week. We couldn't complain, could we? No, no, it's, it's been good. And I think, you know, touching on the, the amount of time they've got off, it's nice to have that break because you're hoping then that the players can get some time in the pitch and guys that maybe Hitati looking a wee bit jaded can sort of bring some of that energy back and get a wee bit of rest. I know Andrew's sort of been at pains to say that there's not a lot of t- not had a lot of time in the park, but you know, given the, the, the squad maybe was looking a bit jaded, as Natasha said, with a comfortable performance at the the um the Tony Macaroni, the dreaded Tony Macaroni. Um we overcame the mighty Livingston, which is good. But yeah, look we, you and I, Kev, at the start seems to get towards the end of the season and be in touch and distance at Rangers. That's a, a massive season considering all the changes and everything we went through and then actually we're ahead three points so happy days and I suppose with, with the superior goal difference is almost four points isn't it so so all, all's well in the world of Celtic for a change it's quite nice quite refreshing <laughs> definitely and even though we're having this wee break and we're having to go to a game in next Monday uh, it's funny having a game on a Monday night as well uh, we'll kind of speak to that towards the end. What we're going to have a look at today is we're going to have a look at is what the, the headline says, 50 games into the age of Ange, how he has shaped our Celtic state of mind. Uh, was it? Aye, that is right. Aye. Uh, well, I'm going to, I want to have a look at Near Beaton. I want to have a look at, we'll need to have a wee, wee, wee talk about Scott Brown. A wee talk about Cameron Carter-Vickers. 
And obviously, we'll take the viewers' questions and that as well. So get your questions in the comments. Only sensible ones will be brought up. So I'll give you that wee warning just before you start putting in anything in there. But before we go anywhere, please subscribe and like. So hit the, wee, hit the wee like button below. It's very, very good for the channel. And please subscribe. Our subscriber base is, is actually is going up all the time. Now, Natasha, you're new on a Wednesday. So we usually, so we usually actually start with a wee section called Not the 10 O'Clock News, where I have a wee look at all the stuff that's going on in Celtic. So... I'm going to start with yesterday, uh, the SFA announced that Scotland are likely to play a friendly on the 24th of March after the game, the playoff game against Ukraine was quite rightly actually, was quite rightly actually cancelled until June. Chances of it happening in June look very, very slim at the moment as well. Eh? I'm actually quite disappointed. I, I wanted the, the Scotland players to actually stay within the confines of Lennox Town and the SFA just put paid to that. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit frustrating, isn't it? I fairly understand why the Ukraine game isn't going ahead. Um, support that decision wholeheartedly. Um, hopefully the position will be better in June, but you know that remains to be seen. But with that to one side, do we really need to now squeeze a friendly into there? Do we need to do that? I'd personally rather we didn't. I'm sure the clubs of the players would rather we didn't. Um, so... Um, a slightly meaningless, a totally meaningless friendly in a key part of the season. I'd quite like to skip that. Um, I don't know if Andrew will be issuing any instructions about how many minutes players like Callum McGregor can play. I hope he does. Um, I'd rather it didn't go ahead altogether. And if it does, then let's hopefully minimise the the minutes that our players will have in that. Brian Durbin Kulshe comes in and says, hopefully Scotland can't find anybody to play them. It's a bit short notice, Brian. I, I, I kind of had the wee impression that the players might have been called into a training camp, but the fact is they're looking to, looking to actually play a game actually quite disappoints me. It's a very strange decision. I think um, a training camp would have made sense, go over some tactics, some shapes, stuff like that. The only solace you can take, I suppose, is that it's unlikely, you know, that it would be a full strength side, so you're hoping McGregor won't get played, you're hoping if it's a friendly, you'll try some differences. I can't see, you know, the likes of Arsenal or Liverpool being overly enamoured with Tierney and Robertson we put into play. Much the same for Celtic, so it's something we've said before, hopefully common sense will prevail, and I realise common sense in the SFA are two very distinct entities, um, but hopefully, hopefully that'll, that'll be true, and it, it I'd, I would imagine Celtic would put the foot down if they're talking of playing a full strength side, but yeah, it's, a, it's an unusual decision. Um, Is it not? that watched last week on all, we're not a fan of meaningless friendlies involving Celtic. Um, no. <laughs> No, but no, but no, a fan. I mean, it's less friendlies. I mean, Natasha, it could actually also, if you look at it a different way, it could actually give the players a bit of a break as well. It could give some of the Celtic players a bit of a break, a bit of change of uh, atmosphere because we are in, in a, we are in a pressurised situation, and it could be a good for them to actually get out of that environment and like like room with different players mm. and get different yeah. voices in that. Eh? But for me, I'm like you. I just want them at Lennox then. Yeah, I mean, that's it. If we have to look for the silver lining, if they have to go and they have to go and do a camp and a friendly or whatever, the silver lining is, I suppose, like you mentioned, this is a high-pressure environment they're in right now. Um, we haven't seen a title race like this in, in a while. 
Um, there's no doubt that the the pressure and the nerves will be affecting the players. It would be impossible for it not to. We see it coming from the stands, transferring to the pitch. It's like a cauldron at the moment. If they then get a, a break from that, you know, mentally, physically, just a step back, do something else for a week. I suppose that's the silver lining. Um, but you're not going to be able to tell Callum McGregor to and players like him to put this out your head for a week. It's going to play in their minds constantly. They know what's at stake here. So regardless, this is this is going to be in their heads. And I think if I was them, and I'm sure they'll be along the same lines, they just want to get on with us. They just want to get on with the massive running we've got without any interruptions. Definitely. 67 gives them a wee gives them a wee nudge in the right direction for a wee sick note. Meaningless international is a knock on your ankle job. So if any of the Cel- so any of the Celtic players are listening, hopefully you get a wee knock on the ankle after the Dundee United game and you didn't go to the Scotland camp. Now, another thing, Brian, that which came to my attention, it's a bit like saying night follows day. Vasilias Barkas, his agent, saying it's more likely that the player's going to be moving in the summer. That's that. <laughs> I can't believe it. Old hologram hands is is looking to depart. Um, listen, we've said it before. I hope the guy goes and has a good career, and he's not going to play for Celtic, so he has to move on. It's just um, it's just unusual. It's it's uh, dragged on this long. I saw a headline the other day. A Yeti has a future at Celtic. Another top draw Jack what hit for the mainstream media. Something we already knew. We imagine he'll be going as well. So so I big Barkas, he's um he's not going to get down as a cult hero certainly. Um might might be called something that sounds like cult, but uh, he won't be a hero certainly. Natasha, we're going to speak about players and money and contracts later on, eh? But the problem Celtic may have is Barkas is probably on a very high wage, a wage that he probably won't get anywhere else in his career. That could be a massive sticking point for Celtic, yeah? It could. Um, and I think some of that will come down to the player as well. He needs to decide how much he wants to actually play football. And at his age and in the stage of his career, he needs to be out there playing football. This can't be enjoyable for him. You know, we've all sort of read or heard about the struggles he had when he first moved over. It was totally different circumstances. It was a difficult time. There was lockdown. He was living himself. This can't have been an enjoyable period for him in his life or his career. If I was him, then I would be hoping to to get back out there somewhere I can rejuvenate my career and my life again and, and be playing football and enjoying my football. And if that comes at a slight wage cut, you know, we're not we're not talking about putting him in the poverty line where he'll still be no. earning some good money. So hopefully he sees this as well as an opportunity to go out there and reinvent his career again and start to be playing football, which is what footballers should want to do. Um so hopefully something works out for all parties there and he moves on and, and has a successful career somewhere else. Well, interesting you say that. Kieser comes in and actually says, if this is going to come up, Barkas mm. will be following Lenny to Cyprus. <laughs> That's an... That, that. Could you see that happening, Brian? Could you actually see Vasilius Barkas following Neil Lennon to Cyprus? Uh, anything can happen, I suppose. It's, um, I just got a mental image there. I, I put Lenny, you need to be a factor 100 on, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm not sure who's going to be worse off Colin to Greenock or Lenny from Old Ireland over in the sun but um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly like, I mean I don't know what ain't about that separate team I don't know what their kind of budgets are and stuff but it's potential I suppose although I'm not sure how much Lenny will be looking to reconcile and, and uh, catch up with Barkas after the season they went through together 
I imagine he's probably got podcast PTSD. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll just have to just have to wait and see. But um, it's an idea. Nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise you in football. I mean, obviously Neil Lennon got the job with uh, Nicosia this week, and there's been a, a lot of rumours, Natasha, regarding his potential assistants or guys who are going to give him a dig out. One of them seems to be Mark Forenham, the ex-Celtic player as well, who's coached in Germany and also actually played in Cyprus. So Neil Lennon's looking at taking him. And you've also got the jungle drums that are actually beating as well, that Scott Brown... Another guy who's going to need factor 100 on his head if he's going to go to Cyprus could be heading out there as well. It's an interesting move for Neil Lennon, an absolutely interesting move. What do you think it actually says about his status in this country now that he's had to move to Cyprus for his next job? I think obviously he'll spin it in the fact that he, you know, wanted something different. He wanted to move away from, from Scotland, which I totally understand and think is a good move for him. I think he might have foreseen that as being England. They're probably his stock will not be that high there. So I think for him, this is probably the level he's going to have to accept if he wants to start rebuilding any sort of reputation as a manager. Um, in terms of backroom staff, he's not been very consistent or successful in terms of his previous background picks. So it will be interesting to see who he takes with him this time. You know, you cast your mind back to when he had Mialbi and Thompson and you know that didn't really work out for him there was the fallout with Alan Thompson and that all didn't end very well and then he comes back and he's got Kennedy and Strachan who clearly were not going to be his picks or his choices so it'll be interesting this time round to see who he chooses as his backroom team and to see how successful that is for him in terms of Scott Brown I don't think that's a very good move for for Brown, um, I don't know if he wants to, you know, sort of line himself with Neil Lennon here and and join his ship. I think there might be better moves out there for him, you know, particularly with moving over to Cyprus. There's potential to be slightly forgotten about. I don't think Brown's career is in the state that he has to move to Cyprus to get a job. I think that there'd be plenty of teams in Scotland, perhaps Celtic. We can come on to talk about that. Who would um, offer Scott Brown a lifeline here rather than see him move over to Cyprus? That's a perfect segue, Natasha. We may as well move on and speak about Scott Brown at the, uh, just now. Barry McCormick comes and he tells us that Neil Lennon's new club have had seven managers in the last five years. So uh, Stephen Presley telling Neil Lennon not to unpack his case could actually be true there, if that's anything to go by. Uh, Studs Lanigan, uh, Cyprus is heavenly, so job done for Lenny. Cyprus is a complete and utterly lovely country, so it's a nice place to try to restart your career. And Monty comes in. Monty's a, a well-known contributor to the show. Neil Lennon deserves all the good luck going. I hope he does well. We'll always love the man. Brian, um, I, I hope Neil Lennon does well, actually. Anything that happened last season is completely finished now. And uh, I'm back at looking at Le Neil Lennon, who made a massive contribution at Celtic, not the Neil Lennon of last season. Of course. I mean, listen, we'll always love Lenny. We, we can't not. Um, and I think, actually... There's nothing better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes. And that doesn't mean flopping down on the couch with bunny slippers. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star or a tech nomad working from anywhere and jumping from one thing to the next. Whoever you are, Allbird wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are designed for a level of coziness that makes you feel like you can do anything. You might even forget you're wearing them. And their shoes are so stylish, they go perfectly with a wear-whatever-I-want attitude. 
Allbirds is all about loving Mother Nature too, because no one wants to leave a bad footprint. Each shoe is carefully crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. From ZQ certified merino wool to a bouncy midsole made from sweet foam, the world's first carbon negative EVA material made from sugarcane. There's nothing better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes. And that doesn't mean flopping down on the couch with bunny slippers. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star, or a tech nomad working from anywhere and jumping from one thing to the next. Whoever you are, Allbirds wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes, too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are designed for a level of coziness that makes you feel like you can do anything. You might even forget you're wearing them. And their shoes are so stylish, they go perfectly with a wear-whatever-I-want attitude. Allbirds is all about loving Mother Nature, too, because no one wants to leave a bad footprint. Each shoe is carefully crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. From ZQ-certified merino wool to a bouncy midsole made from sweet foam, the world's first carbon-negative EVA material made from sugarcane. So get comfortable in your shoes. Get to know the wool runners, pipers, and loungers at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. So, although I was having a joke earlier, I actually think it's quite a good move for him because I think, you know, he's a guy who in the past has been quite open about his mental health problems. I think being away from the sort of goldfish bowl of um, Scottish football and even, you know, even if he got a job down south, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of spotlight still. Over in Cyprus, he can probably go, do what he enjoys, live a bit of time in the sun and hopefully... Not have any of the, the sort of grief or any sort of horrific abuse he's taken over the years. So I think it's a good move for the guy. And obviously, he's always going to be a Celtic hero to so many. And uh, last season aside, uh, you wish him well. I, I do wish him well. It's quite strange. I can't, I can't find the comment, but somebody came in and says that they half expected them to move down to the Championship uh, or, mm-hmm. or, to a lower, or to a lower team in, in Scotland or in England. See, when the Allerwood job came up, I actually thought he, he, would have took, he, he might have been interested in the Allerwood job or Mike Mulraney, who's the Allerwood chairman, would have been interested in taking Neil Lennon to Allerwood because of, if you have a look at Allerwood's um, managerial appointments over the last couple of years, there have been quite high-level appointments and there have been quite, like... Ambitious appointments, eh? And there was something just in the back of my back of my back of my head when when Barry Barry Ferguson resigned. And when I could see Neil Lennon at the Indo Drug Stadium actually actually trying to like revive his career. But good luck to Neil Lennon in Cyprus. We may as well talk about Scott Brown, Natasha, because it's been reported today of a pathway back to Celtic for Scott Brown as a coach in the uh, the. The B team setup, yeah, not as a player, but only in the B team setup. What's your actual gut reaction to that? Oh, it's good. I would take Scott Brown back. Um, I did a bit of a poll on Twitter yesterday and asked about the reaction. Would you take him back at Celtic? And if so, what role would that be in? 75% of the respondents, um, I think there's around 5,000 people in the end, said that yes, they would take him back at Celtic. And the reasoning behind that probably aligns with my own opinion, which is that I think he would be an asset. I think Scott Brown would be an asset at the club. I'm not sure what role that is. We can have a think about that. But in terms of him as a person, he's an asset to have around the club. And someone of his leadership, someone of his character, someone with his experience of being at Celtic is going to be valuable in some role. You can look at how he's 
constantly referred to by the players in our squad at the moment from James Forrest, Callum McGregor, Kieran Tierney, who's now obviously left, Michael Lustig, players like that all speak so highly of the impact that Scott Brown had on them as people, as players, as their careers. If we can harness that and and have that, you know, passed on to our youth team and the younger guys coming up, that's invaluable. So I would have Scott Brown back and I fully get the other side of the argument, the sort of 25% who replied, which is that, you know, this is up to Ange. You know, it's Ange's coaching team. If he Mm -hmm. wants Scott Brown, then that's up to him to assess Brown as a person and Brown's coaching credentials. You know, so Ange has to be sure that this is the right man to come into the club as well. Um, And I yes, he doesn't have a great coaching experience. I believe he's done his badges and things like that, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. But then you look at other people that we have sort of enhanced their coaching careers at Celtic, like O'Day, like McManus. They didn't have incredible coaching credentials when they started out at Celtic. They started a little bit further down the line, under 18s. You know, O'Day started there and now he's the B team coach. There's a role for Brown somewhere in the system that we can then develop his coaching career as well. I, for me, there's there's a role for him somewhere, and I'd like to see him back. Rabbi boy, eighteen eighty eight. Give him the vacant under eighteen's mm. job. Just what he says there, Natasha. You see, Darren O'Dea, but it's one. It's mainly Stephen McManus. You actually see on the bench now on on the first mm-hmm. team bench with Ange. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, Brian? We always. We're always kind of panicking about upstairs interference in, in the football role. Natasha quite rightly pointed out Neil Lennon came back and he was given Gavin Stratton and, and, and John Kennedy basically like that. Eh? And now it's kind of been, it's an open secret that Neil Lennon's been, been basically told by the board, it doesn't matter who's in charge of the first team, there's going to be a coaching role in this football club for you. How do you feel about that, Brian? So, I mean, when you put it like that, it, 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 it doesn't sit well, but I don't get I'm the devil advocate here, I'm the host. So I think, I don't imagine Ange is going to be told what to do by anybody, is my, my instinctual reaction. I don't think he's going to say, if somebody comes and says, oh, we've had a new coach, I think he's going to say, well, who hired him? No, not for me, mate, as he might say. However, I think if you look at Brown coming back as a coach, I think certainly at the academy level, with the, with the youngsters, I think it's a better shout. And I think what you would get for Scott Brown is a guy who was a, an excellent player, who was incredibly you know, focused on fitness, conditioning, which is really good. He knows the club inside out. He's been hugely influential on careers of so many, as Natasha pointed out. If he could sort of get the younger guys and instill that confidence that he had, that swagger he had into them, I think that's a real a real bonus. And actually, I think I might be wrong, and I'm sure somebody will correct me, but um, I'm sure before he left, he, had a, he used to spend a bit of time with the youth players and stuff and, and go to sessions. Cause I know he spoke really highly of my favourite player in the world, Dane Murray. Um, I know he spoke highly of him and some of the other guys coming through. So I think there's probably a connection there anyway. So I would imagine if you're Ange, it makes sense to bring him in, but it ultimately will be his decision. No, no one's going to tell him this is your coaching staff deal with it. Um, I think we Lenny, um, Lenny, Lenny Day was going to call Kennedy and Strachan. <laughs> when they there, sorry didn't slip there, when he, when he came in, I think he followed <laughs> his philosophy. You know, I know Brendan Rogers was, Brendan Rogers, Claxton, 22-45. Um, I know he was a massive fan of John Kennedy and the way he played, the way he wanted football. 
and Ange, you can see similarities there. So I think they probably fitted his mould. And as you say, I think McManus has stepped up a lot under Ange. Um, so there's no reason Scott Brown can't come back and have a, a part to play. But I would, sus- I would suspect it would be with the, the sort of youth set-up or the B squad or whatever. Do you think Ange would have a problem with that if he came into the youth set setup? But you would got Natasha. You would got to hope that Ange Poster Coglu would have the final say. The man seems yeah. to be shaping, shaping the club in the background, and yeah. I'm sure he understands the importance of Scott Brown as a player, as a man, as a legend to Celtic Football Club. And yeah, of would, course, and, I understand. Yeah, and, I think you get that. And he would know that maybe Scott Brown in an under-18, under-16 capacity, moving up to the B-team capacity, would be an idol to the players coming through. And Celtic have had, had an awful problem recently with guys disappearing to Man City, Bayern Munich and stuff like that. So maybe having a legend like Brown in there with that would, would keep those players there as long as these players are seeing a pathway into the first team. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, we've talked about it before on the show and, and otherwise that we do have an issue with retaining the higher quality youth players at the moment. Um, Hjeldi was one of them. Um, we're talking about Ben Doak moving as well. So there is an issue that needs addressed in the sort of younger setups about why they're looking down south to further their careers and why they aren't seeing Celtic as the best option for them. Um, could someone like Scott Brown do that on his own? I'm not sure. I think he'd be a great person to have around the squad, someone um, who was a parent of one of the under-18s reached out to me last night um, and replied to the poll and said that you know his son played for the under-18s and he knows that squad would welcome Brown with open arms, and of course they would. Um, Brown's a club legend and I think he'd get a great reception from the younger players. And like Brian has said, isn't going to be told who to include as part of his setup. He, w- he won't do that. Um, but what he will do is he'll trust the people round about him. He's already shown great confidence in people like Kennedy and people like McManus. And even if Ange doesn't know Brown personally that well himself, these guys do. Kennedy and McManus will know Scott Brown very, very well. And I think Ange will trust their view and their opinion on him. And I think they'll recognise the value that bringing Scott Brown back could have. They'll pass that message on to Ange. And I think he'll trust them in, in terms of that being a good appointment. There is two ways of looking at this. David Bradley via YouTube. No Kev, not the now. I don't know. Hopefully he's meaning Brown and just maybe no me just talking. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, Francie WU. Hiya, Francie. Bruni coaching at the academy is a no-brainer. It'll be interesting to see where Scott Brown go, goes next. It seems to be that Jim Goodwin just didn't like the, the thought of Scott Brown being at Aberdeen with him after Scott Brown was interviewed for the St Lauren job as well. And it could well be, we're talking about Scott Brown coming back to Celtic, he's already been interviewed interviewed for the St Lauren job. So there could be other jobs out there for him that are a higher level than coaching at the under-18s or B-team level. So we don't know. I've got a couple of questions for you, Natasha, that have came in. So Paddy Laverty, Paddy's for Belfast. Now, will Natasha admit to cheating on that song quiz last Friday night? This, this is this must be Colin under a different name. I'm telling you, there is absolutely no cheating on my part in the quiz on Friday night. I'm happy to hold my hands up and say that, but I am going to throw Colin Watt under the bus here because he admitted that he keeps the comments on his screen while he does the show. I have mine turned off. Colin has them on. So Colin had a stream to answers, and I didn't. So what I think this proves is that Colin, in fact, cheated on the Friday night quiz. 
and that I didn't. And I think I need a recount somewhere here because I don't think I lost that. That's brilliant, Brian. Hey, Collins, no here to defend his cell and Natasha. Like Neil Lennon last season, just threw him right <laughs> under the bus there. <laughs> Happy holidays, Colin. We're getting slaughtered, pal. <laughs> My man 67's calling you Lee Wallace. Natasha. Oh, Natasha, that's poor grass and right, Lee. That's what I'm going to call you for the rest of the programme. I'm going to call you Lee Wallace. I lost right. the quiz. I'm still bitter about it. There was one point in it and I'm still bitter about it. So, yeah, I'm going to throw Colin under the bus here. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Let's, let's speak about uh, the tagline, 50 games. I wanted to call this 50 shades of Ange, but Paul decided against it. Uh, so, <laughs> Ange Postacoglu's 50th game for Celtic was on Sunday against Livingston. And it's fair to say that we've come a fair, fair distance, Brian, since he was appointed on that Friday or was it the Monday after the Eddie Howe debacle? And we're all, and we, I'm going to admit, I was going, who the hell is Ange Postacoglu? I haven't got a clue who Ange Postacoglu was. And I'm quite glad I now know who Ange Postacoglu is. I'm really glad that Ange Postacoglu walked through her door, jumped on a plane and walked through her door without any help, without any backup to become Celtic Football Club's manager. I really, looking back over the 50 games, it's been some journey. That has been, there's been a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And, and by the way, this is just the start of the journey. What I've really been impressed with, Brian, is the team that he's built. And I know that he talks about performance. I, I reckon that he's he's maybe not 100% happy with the consistency of performances that we've actually got. But there's a whole lot of reasons why we haven't reached that consistency of performance yet. But what I really love about Ange Postacoglu's uh, team and spirit at this moment is the team's got a team spirit, has got resilience, and it's got a consistency in results. And that's all we could ask for when we look back to August, eh? Absolutely. I think that if you look at, you know, you have to grade everything on a curve, you know, especially with Ange coming in, because as you say, he came in, there was 12 or so players left. The players that were there were, you know, probably really hurting from the previous season. Fans were in uproar. It was civil war on Twitter between Celtic fans. Um, they hated the board. And Ange came in himself and walked into that. And, uh, you know, 50 games later, we're playing really good football. We've made some brilliant signings. Um, but to actually answer the, the, the tagline of how he shaped our Celtic state of mind, I actually think it's it's almost less about the football and about the man himself, I think. His attitude's been so refreshing to come in. We, we kind of waxed lyrical about him before and I'm happy to do it again because he really does have a Celtic state of mind. You know, he, he didn't come and say, oh, he used to spend all his time watching... Celtic games in Australia, and he he, he didn't say, he, he knew what the club stood for. He spoke about being an immigrant himself. He spoke about the what made Glasgow such a great city. He spoke about you know the values he had. Being Kyogo was horribly racially abused. He, he spoke eloquently and handled that beautifully. And I think the way he handles the press and he speaks to the club, the attending the events, the Tommy Bonds, the foundation. It's just he's adding so much. As an outsider, they have such an idea of what Celtic is, and you can't. The marrying of man to club 
he's, he's been exceptional. Um, and I don't know how intentional it was. I don't know if they really looked at that side of him or they just looked at his coaching success. But either way, it's, it's been fantastic. And Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a Roaring Twenties murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. I think, oh, oh, not in spite of results, because if, if we were sitting fourth place now and the team was playing terribly, you know, I think you would still love him, but you'd be saying... I'm going man for the job, but the fact that he's come in, we love him, and he's doing a good job, it's just exceptional. And to achieve that in, in, in 50 games is is um, it's just incredible, really. Natasha, that's something that they probably didn't expect, and I think it's came across more when you see Ange speaking to the Australian press, which he's done quite a lot recently. The fact that he knew the background of the club, and when he speaks to the when they speak to this when he speaks to the Australian press, that comes through more and more than what it does when he speaks to the Scottish press. And I love seeing him; he's very open and honest with the Australian press, and I think that's where you actually see the true man. I think sometimes when you see him in front of the Scottish press, you get a different Ange, but when you see him when when, it, when it's like he's talking to three mates when when he was talking to Mark Bosnich and all that, and the interview that he done with the legend and uh, Shane Warren as well, it was brilliant to actually see the fact that he had a genuine knowledge and love of Celtic. Yeah, I think for me, I've been lucky enough to have... Um had been able to put questions to Anne as part of a fan media event and then also join the mainstream media press conference after after one of the games. And the difference between Ange Postacoglu at these two events is like night and day. It was like a different person. Um, and with, with the fan media, um, he was thorough in his answers. He was open. He was engaged. He took much more time than had been allocated um, and he was just really, really impressive. With the, the mainstream media press conference, there was a man who did not want to be in that room. He was there for roughly five minutes um, and up and left. And you could tell by his whole demeanour, he wasn't interested in having that conversation with that group of people. He didn't want to answer their questions and this was all a massive inconvenience to him. And I think that really, for me, showed the contrast and how he feels like, you know, how his relationship with the mainstream media is and how his relationship with the fan media or even more friendly media like the Australian media are. So definitely the impression that he is a man who does not have a lot of time for Scottish mainstream media. And I don't think that that comes as a, as a surprise to anyone. But I can only echo what Brian has said in terms of um, Ange Postacoglu and the impact that he's, he's had. Um, you you just have to cast your mind back to the start of the season when he, he first arrived and people were calling him a nobody. They were laughing at this appointment. Um, and, you know, internally, Celtic fans, we were talking about the, the size of the rebuild needed. 
it was this task that we couldn't underestimate. That's how the sort of terms we were talking about it in. Um, you know, it was everything from Lawwell was leaving, Lennon was leaving, Brown was leaving, all the sort of key players, Edward, Ayer, then Christie. There's a mass exodus at Celtic and a huge task ahead. And we appointed a manager that nobody had heard of, who people, the media, the other Scottish clubs, turned their noses up at. And, well, he certainly showed them, hasn't he? From going from the ambition at the start of the season to been talking about closing the gap on Rangers and making sure we're seeing real signs of improvement and that would make us happy, seeing better performances on the pitch, a better style of football. He's done all that and so, so much more. You know, we're not, we didn't just close the gap. We're now top of the league with eight games to go. There's a cup in the bag. We're still in the other one. We're playing the kind of football that we want to see Celtic play. And then on top of all that, things that Brian has mentioned is that this man just seems to be a perfect fit for Celtic as a football club. So nobody could have predicted it would have went this well and certainly not within the first 50 games. So all credit to Ange, there is absolutely... No more words I can say about him to express how much I'm impressed by him and how much I love this guy, but just so pleased to have him at this club. Do you love him as much as Laura, though? <laughs> I think, I think that would be a challenge for anyone, um, but I, I do love Andrew, I'm happy to say. <laughs> well, Brian, uh, Natasha says there, I remember the after the first Celtic Rangers game when we got beat at Ibrox and I came on, uh, COVID fever induced and says there wouldn't be a 25 point gap between the teams and that was fairly obvious at that point and you look at the team that started that day and you look at the team that started the, the, the game at Livingston uh, uh, at the weekend uh, it's like night and day did I, did I expect us to be three points in front with eight games to go? I'm going to say no, I didn't. I'm, I'm going to be openly honest about that. And I, 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 well, you can just have a look back on all the videos. I'll be open and honest about that. I just wanted to be challenging because of the size of the rebound, the, the rebound that he had to do. But I, I knew that he had something there. And bizarrely enough, the game when I realised that he did have something was away in Betis. That was the game when we, when we got beat. But we played with like a certain style. I went, these players have bought into this and they've went to a, a La Liga side. Aye, but we made we made mistakes, we were two nothing up, we lost three two. That was a game when I started thinking, gone, this guy needs to be here for the long term. This guy is now and gradually we've been chipping, chipping away, and then we get to the point. Uh, beating Rangers at the new year with an, with an absolutely fad, fabulous performance. The performances are there, but what he's actually built so far is a team spirit, and there's a framework there. What I'm going to say is there is a frame there, but we haven't got a coloured in picture yet. There's a color, There's not a coloured in picture there. That picture is still to get coloured in, and we're looking at a we're looking at a situation at the moment where a team which has just got a solid framework could end up winning the league, and that for me that is unbelievable. But for this is a kind of long-winded way of asking you: When did you believe? What was the game that turned your thoughts around that Ange Postecoglou had something managing Celtic? I don't know when the, I, I sort of initially. I sort of bought into him quite early because the way I see the club's future is kind of the way he was talking about it. It's sort of long term, the continuity, the, the attacking play, the pressing. And that's how I want Celtic to play. So I kind of, I kind of bought into what he was saying. Um, the, the games that stick out for me 
is where I really thought there was a, a tangible feeling of this guy's got it. Was the first one was actually Leverkusen away. So something like the Betis game, I thought we went over there. I thought we, we played excellently. We, we lost, but we ran them close and we played good stuff. We looked fearless over there against a very, very good side. It was, it was one of my favourite performances because I think I think they scored twice in the last 15 minutes or something and won the game, but we were excellent for that first 70 minutes. Uh, and the second was the, um, the League Cup victory. I thought actually having a tangible trophy to, to show the Celtic fans that last year was miserable. We've got another trophy. This is working. This will work. The, the proof's there. And if you look at that, if he'd have lost that final, there'd still be question marks over the mentality. I thought that was so key for how the the fans perceived him, how the players believed it. And if there's any doubts about the system and um, the inverted fullbacks and all this other stuff, or I thought that day when we won the League Cup, we really sort of said, look, this is going to work. And also it gave us, um, this is a slight tangent, but you look at the goal Kyogo scored, I'll never forget that. It was just incredible. It's one of those all-time goals I'll always think about, that hook. And on the side of the guys like Kyogo, and we talk about this rebuild, right? He's given us a series of absolute heroes. Like Jota is, is, is a hero for people. He's brilliant to watch. Good to look at as well. Brilliant to watch, though. Um, Matt O'Reilly, he looks like he's going to be a real strong player. Um, another, another decent looking boy. Maybe that's his signing policy. <laughs> um, obviously, Kyogo, Carter Vickers. Um, and then you look at the improvement guys like Ralston and stuff. So there's so many guys you can really look at as real role models, real heroes of people. And I think there'll be a lot of people watching this side and that will stick with them for the rest of their lives. It's, um, it's spectacular stuff. Natasha, Martin O'Neill came in and Martin O'Neill says Rangers were the benchmark. Now, he, that's what he says. I'll, I'll try my utmost to bring success to this football club. Poster Coglu didn't have any proclamations like that. He didn't actually say very much. But the League Cup final, after the League Cup final, after the, after the, we won the League Cup, he then came out and says that he knew that he couldn't go a season not winning anything at Celtic because of the size of the football club. And this was something that was levelled with him, levelled at him at the start, that he didn't understand the size of the club, he didn't understand the size of the job. And he seemed to wait until the perfect time to bite back at those snipers when he had that in the bag and went, well, I knew that I had to make this work very extremely quickly without ever shouting from the rooftops that he knew that that's what he needed to do. He didn't make the population like Martin O'Neill. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And I think, to be fair, it was largely the media and the fans who were building up this massive rebuild, who talked about the length of time it would take, who talked about possibilities of bridge seasons and things like that, and that we wouldn't expect this to be an overnight project. Ange just got on with it. He knew the task at hand. And all the admiration to him for coming over from Australia by himself with no backroom staff, knowing that he wasn't the first choice for the job as well. None of that faced him. And that speaks massively to the character that he is. He came in, he got on with the job, he signed who he wanted to sign, he rebuilt the squad that he wanted to build and he just achieved success. And I think the first, you know, the cup, let's call it the first cup victory, the, the cup victory was really laying down a marker that he was here to achieve success. He wasn't here to spend time rebuilding or a process and all of this. He was there to achieve success as quickly as he could, and that was his plan, and that he never had any doubts 
that he would be able to do that. And I think, again, that goes back to the winning mentality that Ange has. We've read the quotes from him recently about how he is just a winner. He believes that he wins, he can win, and he's capable of winning every competition he goes into. When he was the manager of Australia, he said... I, you know, that he felt that he'd go on and win the World Cup because that's the sort of person he was when he goes into something and doesn't do it unless he thinks he can win it and he's got to back himself and back his team like that. And I think that's exactly what he's doing with Celtic. So while at the start of the season, everyone was going on about how big the gap was, I think Ange fully believed quietly, confidently that he had what it took and he had the squad that it took to, to win the league this season. And I don't think he'll ever have wavered from that. I don't think he would have. He, he doesn't. He doesn't say it publicly, though. No, no, Natasha. He doesn't come out with rash statements, or, or he seems to be very calm and collected over the last couple of weeks. I think. I think the team up until Livingston, the team have maybe been in the setting from the second half against Aberdeen to up against Livingston. There, we were mm-hmm. kind of struggling. There, were, there was a struggle there, and I think you saw him coming out and defending his team in the hull with after after Easter Road and also after the St Martin game, yeah. especially after especially after a. Uh, uh, Easter Road, he came out and basically defended his team to the hull. Says things that you were maybe thinking to yourself that I thought to myself, and I think you were maybe watching a different game from me. But he was taking the pressure off his dressing room for me at that point. He was taking the pressure off the dressing room, and that, and he done it again. He, he, he done it again against St. Bon. He took the pressure off the dressing room. I thought the lads were fantastic. He knows that these guys have gave him everything. He knows that these guys are probably giving him more than even what he expected. And I, I think he's now actually seen, I think he's maybe actually now deep down, deep down believing that these guys can get him over the line. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think what you're saying is true. I think that the mentality aspect of it is now being very managed by Postacoglu. So when some of his comments post-Hibs, the initial reaction was, what have you watched? That was dreadful. Um, and he's, you know, out there supporting his players. If Once, you know, the sort of disappointment died down and you took a step back to think about what he was saying, it then became very apparent that he was trying to do a bit of man management here. Um, we've touched before on the show about how few players have actually even played over 50 games for Celtic. There's a lot of inexperienced players here. There's a lot of players who have never been involved with the pressure associated with going for a league title. And none of the players really have been in a league title race that has been so tight in in a long, long, long period of time. So there's a lot of pressure here and a lot of inexperience, and I think Ange knows that he needs to manage that. Like, we've seen it in recent weeks. We saw it at Hibs. We've seen it in other games. The fans are getting nervous earlier and earlier because of what's at stake now. Of course, we're we're nervous about dropping points. Of course we are, and what's at stake is huge. So the, the nerves then transferred onto the pitch a bit earlier, and it's all about both Ange and the experienced players on the pitch, like McGregor, even Beaton, we can come on and talk about him. It's it's important that these players manage this pressure. And I think that that's what Ange is doing with some of these comments post-match recently. Definitely. McMahon, 67. Ange has brought a leadership calmness and a style we missed last year. Players know what to expect and will, and will only do us good going forward. Uh, Edward Y of Oz Ange has been battle hardened, an experienced politician and a leader of men. I think you can see a statesman like quality in him, Brian. Eh? 
there, there's definitely a statement like quality the way that he handles himself. Ian McMillan, Danielle spot on. My son said to me after that Altmar game, we've got our Celtic back. We played well that first first game against Altmar, and in the second the second game we ha- we hung on for about sixty minutes. Then we actually sold the game out. That was maybe the start of saying this team is going to going to have resilience. And I'm going to go back to McMahon sixty seven, Brian. I'm going to come to you about this. Do you think we're all a bit naive with how much Ange already knew about Celtic, and that's why he's been able to handle the media so well? We all just thought he didn't know. What do you think of that, Brian? Possibly. Um, I mean, look, it's no stupid. He's also done a bit of a research as well. You know. It's- he wouldn't apply for a job and nothing about it. So he had a knowledge base built in. I think what we're saying is it's not as much known about Celtic. It's it's sort of exhibiting the traits you would imagine or you'd want to be associated with Celtic. I think that's more the, the dynamic that we're all very excited about. It's not as much the fact he knew it was everybody knows about Celtic, right? It's huge. It's more the fact that he's it's the sort of culture or the community side of Celtic we love on. That he uh, exhibits, and I think that's really key. Um, and just just to pick up on something you were saying about the defending the players, I think that's absolutely spot on because there's no way he's been in that dressing room not dressing them down for those performances. You heard the way he reacted at the Wraith Rovers game, you remember? I can't possibly repeat the game, but you've been terrified in that dressing room. Yeah. Um, so there's no way he's tolerating that. And if you look at things he said in the past, no matter how good the performance is, he wants it to be better. You can never stop improving. So I think it's very clear. And I think as well, you go to Gage as he's speaking to us, Natasha pointed to earlier, he's not a fan of the mainstream media, especially in Scotland and some of the, the ridiculous questions he get asked. So the responses we give to them would probably be, well, I say disingenuous, but they'd be a bit more cookie cutter than it would be with the, 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 the fan media and stuff. And I think so, especially when they, you get that clown for the BBC, they put him in his place the other day, which was excellent. Is maybe the result you wanted, and you can that's indicative of his attitude towards them because you, you can see that. And I think, as I say, it'd be very different. Ange in the dressing room, but he's right to defend these players. He should be. We've saw what happens when you throw players under the bus, so you know it's proof in the pudding, really. Definitely, Natasha mentioned we went to Livingston on a Sunday. And there has been times this season where we've only had two guys in the team who have played more than 50 games for Celtic. He went to Livingston on, on, on Saturday and they brought in Tony Ralston, they brought back Cal McGregor, they beat on uh, James Forrest, Tom Rogic, all these guys came back in the team. For me, I'm looking at that centre of midfield, and I think that's the centre of midfield that will probably start at Ibrox. I think that's got, I think you'll maybe see that midfield more and more. And in that midfield, and Danielle, yes, I'm going to start talking about Big Nero. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually are going to start talking about him. In that midfield was near Beaton, a man who's maybe been reborn this season, Brian. I really believe that this is near Beaton's most influential season in his nine seasons at Celtic. What's your thoughts on that? I, I think that's that's absolutely spot on. I, I can't think he had a better season, he said. Um, and I think it's the, the best football he's played as well. Uh, I really do. I think he's he's in it. He's another one that he's been really improved and he had a disappointing start under Ange. It's different with, with Alston sort of hit the ground running under Ange and so did Rogic. He saw that improvement immediately. With um, Beaton or Big Nero, 
as we're calling him, is um, he took a wee bit longer. Obviously, get the red card in the Michelin game, and you know there's a few incidents with him. But he came on, and my outstanding memory of Beaton. I hope there's more to come. But it was the game against Hearts where he captained in place of McGregor, and I thought he was excellent that day. I thought it was a real, real captain's performance. He was, he was exceptional, and, I, and I, that's when I think of him. That's the image I think of. And that's probably the game I'll remember him for. Um, and there's no many other games I can think. Like Pete Thomas Brown that day. Um, but again, you saw him. You know, he had a real bad night against um, Bodo Glimp. The whole team did. But then to come back at Livingston, another tricky place, and, and play so well. It was just excellent. And um, I think comfortably, comfortably, his best season at Celtic. And I think if he gets a, um, a testimonial, which will be due next year, I think, I'll go. Whereas maybe maybe previous years I've just geared up and miss. Somebody just came in. Magnet six, the ringer off. Kev, sorry, it's my mechanic phone and my car's my car's in for its MOT, so he's trying to get him and he's phoned me three times, so that probably means it's going to cost me money. Uh, so I'll just ignore it at this precise moment in time. Natasha, the game I remember uh, for near beat on was St Johnson Boxing Day. We are ravaged mm-hmm. with injuries, a makeshift, a makeshift mm-hmm. team. And he goes on and gives an ultimate performance. He was absolutely fantastic that day. He was beating men. He carried that team. And I, and I got thinking then, I said, this big man is actually carrying this team. He's now grew into his role as an experienced, influential player. And the, I can't remember any other his ninth season where he's played such a pivotal role and a charge, hopefully, towards a, a, a title. I think he's had to step up as well. Um, I think, you know, over the last year or so, we've lost a good core of our experienced squad. Um, and I think Beaton's probably had a look around him and thought, well, you know, if not me, then, then who? You know, it is left now to players who may not have considered themselves leaders on the park before, like like Rogic has to step up in that element as well. But Beaton really, really has. And it's, it must, it's frustrating for him because I think a lot of the time he is... When you say beat on, a lot of the the thoughts that come to your head are the the foolish red cards and the always oh, a liability. And but I think that's actually been quite quite harsh on him and the and the role that he's played at Celtic over the years. None more so than than this year. I think you're right that he has really stepped up into this leadership role. But it's not just the fact that he's you know one of these experienced players. We need that in the run in. We've talked about that until we've got players with that experience on the pitch and in the dressing room. But the quality of the play has really improved this season as well. I thought, you know, the, the games you guys have both mentioned, absolutely agree. But for me, and maybe it's, you know, with it being so so recent, I think Livingston there could have been one of the best games I've seen him play in a Celtic shirt. Um, I thought when it was such a place to go and such a daunting task, having him in the base of the midfield was such the right move by Ange, who just got it spot on that day, by the way. Um, but I think for Beaton, a lot of our really good play stemmed from him in the base of that midfield. Um, I read a stat recently um, after the game that he had a 91% success rate in his passing. Um, and some of these passes, you know, the one to, to Forrest, which, which nearly resulted in... Some of his passes were absolutely fantastic. Um, and not only that, you know, he won all of his duels, he won the ball back. Um, his stats from that game are, are are brilliant. So it's not just the fact that he is bringing this experienced head onto the pitch, but we really needed his 
presence in the middle of the park. Andrew mentioned that as well about why he brought him back in. He said, you know, he's big, he's physical. We need his dominance in the middle of a park, the park against a team like Livingston. And I think that physicality in the middle of the park really turned the tie from one which we struggled with to one which we were relatively comfortable with because Beaton was so comfortable in the middle of the park. And I think if you look at Livingston and you look at Rangers, I think you're going to need sort of similar things in terms of that strong, physical, dominant midfielder. And I think that'll see Beaton come into the starting eleven for that game as well. What you mentioned there, what he's done in an Ange Postacoglu side, and Craig Cairns, uh, Beaton has been very calm and cool in the middle of the park. That Livy game, he was taking the ball on and beating players. It's what Angie's system needs to break the lines. Brian, I'm going to be brutally honest here. If somebody would assess to me, Ange Postacoglu tells you he wants to play football this way, you're going to get to March and near Beaton's going to have been played a major part in Ange Postacoglu's side playing football that way. I'd have went, what are you actually on? Because I would never have saw near beat on fitting into an Ange Poster Coglu system. No, it's the same for Ralston, isn't it? It's, um, it's, it's so surprising you would never have done it, which is a testament to both the player and the manager and his coaching staff because he's coached them into that. You know, that's that's coming out of nowhere. So it's a, it's a mixture of both. Um, the, the thing we beat on as well, I think it benefits him, and I, I've harped on it this a lot, it benefits him with McGregor's in the team because. You know, when you've got McGregor sitting in deep, you've really run Tati's energy and O'Reilly's sort of craft. Whereas with Beaton's there, you get McGregor's energy and craft as well as Rodrigo or O'Reilly's. And I think it benefits the, the dynamic quite well. And I think that's helped Beaton as well because he's not having to do, no, he's not having to do too much. That's a that's an underestimation. But it's, it's the fact that he's, he's able to get it to these players that are creative and just stick to his role and be disciplined. And yeah, if he gets the bonus, he can feed them, he can drive forward, he can take players on. So I think the, the actual midfield dynamic really suits him now. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see that as a, the sort of the go-to midfield. Is, you know, I, I think probably beat on McGregor and either Roger or O'Reilly is actually quite key. And I think we just keep that consistent. Um, and then if you've got Hatati coming off the bench, bring that burst of energy. If you're chasing the game, beat on McGregor can drop back. So there's, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot to look forward to, and I think it, it, you're seeing, we, we spoke loads about the system at the start, but you've really seen how it can benefit these players and how they can fit and move around, and it starts to become clearer. It, do, it does as well, Natasha, and, and Beaton's had a couple of influential sub-appearances as well when he came on, when he's come on. I'm thinking about the Dundee game when he actually came on and he'd done enough to actually turn the game around and keep us pinned in the Dundee half. Um, John, Johnny Ryan comes in, only took us 10 seasons to find Nero's natural position. <laughs> Remember the conversations that we're having that we had them as well. I says, well, he's played centre-half for far too long now for him to be a centre-midfielder. And maybe other managers were just missing a trick all along that centre-midfield was his natural position. Yeah, and I think um, Ange said himself that he sees him more as a central midfielder than a centre-half. And I know that he played centre-half for his country a lot. Um and he played centre-half for us when we needed him to. But, yeah, like like we've said here, I think it, he suits being a central midfielder. Um, he suits playing that role where he is playing, where he played against Livingston. Um, and I think that's 
where he can successfully do a sort of Scott Brown role in terms of, you know, sweeping up anything before it gets to the defence. But he's also got the ability to play some of the key passes that we've seen him play, like the commenter touched on, breaking through the lines, getting the balls to players like Forrest or Jota or Abada. He's got that sort of passing ability in his locker as well. So you don't want that so much from your centre-half, but the person who's in front of that. So I think playing him in that role in the midfield really works for Beaton. It does. I mean, there's a couple of people coming in and naming people that are going to be massive for us, uh, massive for us in the, in the running. David Bradley for us could be massive in the running. Uh, let's have a look. Durban Coulshay, Beaton will be nowhere near the, the, the injuries when injuries clear up. I think Beaton's got going to have a massive, massive role to play in the next eight games. Hopefully, hopefully eleven games, because. I, I, Livingston for me was probably an indication that he might go for more experience going in because he realises of, of what's actually at stake what's actually at stake now. William Kennedy, all the players are benefiting for McGregor being in the team, but McGregor benefits from beat on much more. What do you think of that, Brian? That, that's a great that's a great point, eh? Hey, William. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. I think I, I like McGregor further forward. I think it he can he can give you the energy for Tati, but with the sort of incisive passing of an O'Reilly or a Roger, I think he's he really benefits in that position. Um, I, I think what happens sometimes though is because so many teams sitting against us, you probably need as many creative players in the park as possible, which is probably why McGregor sits deeper with Hitati and say Roger. Um, but actually, I think I, I agree with the content. I think McGregor's better forward than I think having. Because they, they, they know each other really well as well. You, need to, you can't underestimate that, how long they've, they've trained together, playing together, getting thrown. Apparently, Beacon's a really popular guy around the, the dressing room. Apparently, players already like him. So having him on the park, knowing where he's going to be, it, it can, can only benefit McGregor. So I, I can't remember the commentator's name, sorry, but it's spot on. Uh, Natasha, what do you think about that before we wrap up for today? Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's important to have different players for different games. Um, the game against Livingston was suited to someone like Beaton, and I think it's important for Ange to have available to him the, the depth in the midfield that we are seeing at the moment. Some areas we still need a bit more strength and depth in, but in terms of sort of central midfield roles, I think what's good about what Ange has available to him is that it's, he's able to rotate it. It's going to be a difficult run and difficult, different games are going to require different players and he has different players available to him. You know, we even have to look at David Turnbull will be coming back soon. Will he be rotated in? Who will rotate out? It can only be a positive to have the quality and depth that we do in the middle of that park. Um, I don't I think Beaton has no role to play. Um, I think he will have some role to play. Will it be in every game? I'm not sure. But it's, it's a great problem to have, isn't it? As Ange Poster Coglu seems to date, it's all down to the system, not the individual players that come into right. that system. But we're all in agreement that Nero has been absolutely fantastic for us this season, no matter what happens between now and the end of the season. I'm going to do a wee bit of housekeeping here. <laughs> uh, the Urban Cool She, I'm getting told how to actually say it, studs have given up at this stage. Studs Lanigan, it's Cool She. Uh, and John Curl tells me it's cool she. So sorry about that. I, 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 won't, I won't get I won't get it right at one point. I'm I'm not just going to call him Urban. Just Urban. I'm, I'm just going to call him Urban. Be, be now from now on. Eh? Uh, 
This has been brilliant. Thank you very much, Natasha, for joining us on a Wednesday. Uh, it's been great having you on. Brian, you. It's, always, it's always a pleasure having you on. Everybody, I hope you have a great week. And remember, just be kind to each other and always keep it Celtic. So thanks for tuning in. Hail, hail, and I'll see you all later. companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.